Jessica. And I'm David, and this is Passports and Birth Control, a couple's take on international travel. Now today we're talking about my favorite German city, or to date my favorite German city, Köln. Now you can pronounce this the German way, Köln, or the English way, Cologne. I always say Cologne, I always thought, oh, what's this have to do with the sense that men, fragrances that men put on them, has nothing to do with fragrance or anything, it's just, it's Cologne in German and Cologne in English. Now we took a train from Amsterdam to Köln. And it was a really easy train, didn't take too long, wasn't too pricey. Just Again, trains are such a good way to get around Europe. Now, we arrive in this amazing old train station. We walk out, and immediately I am struck by this stunning, blackened, amazing cathedral. I'm distracted. I'm looking on our map trying to figure out where our Airbnb is. And I'm slapping him on the shoulder saying, David. David, David, he's grumbling and cursing like, his phone. Leave me alone, what? <laughs> David, I point. He finally looks up and his jaw I, drops. I look up and then I keep looking up because the train station lets you out right in front of the Cologne Cathedral and it is tall. You keep looking up and it's this just gothic, blackened edifice. It's this giant tower and it just looms over the whole city. These blackened spires rising into a crystalline blue sky. I mean, it was breathtaking. And so we exit the station and we go to the Rhine River, which is nearby. And there's this river walk that's just gorgeous. The whole city is sits right on the edge of the Rhine River. And it's sort of the lifeblood of the city from history onward. And so we walk along the river walk. There's these gorgeous buildings. The river was quite high because if you recall from our Paris episode, there was some flooding going on in the area, but the water was very high, but still pleasant looking. And we're walking along the river walk and it's this gorgeous city. We're, we're absorbing a German city. For the most part, we've been at very touristy places. Cologne is not on the beaten path for tourists. So you might think, well, why did they go to Cologne? Cologne was a, a, a sort of a halfway point between Amsterdam and Berlin for us, and it happened to coincide with Jessica's birthday. So she said she didn't want to travel on her birthday, so we decided let's lump in a city between Amsterdam and Berlin. We happened upon Cologne, and I'm so happy we did because we got to see a really fantastic city. It doesn't feel like a tourist place. It feels very German. The Germans are happy to share it with you. They're happy to have tourists there, but you don't feel the crowds like you do in other places. Certainly not Berlin and definitely not Amsterdam. Now that's not to say there's nothing to do as a tourist in Köln. There's plenty of museums, plenty of amazing cafes, the river itself. There's so much to see and do here, especially if you're, as David and I are, interested in Roman history. Yes, the city was actually founded by the Romans. The word Cologne or Köln is derived from the Latin word for colony. It's actually the furthest east along the Rhine River that the Romans got. It represents the border of the Roman Empire, the Rhine River. They tried to go into the forests of Germany further inland and, well, they didn't, they didn't work out so much, so they decided, okay, well, we're just going to say this big, wide, roaring river is the edge of our colony. So they established this trading post on the river called a colony, or Cologne, or Cologne, and that's where the city kind of built up. The, the river is its lifeblood. So we walk along the river and we get to our Airbnb. Now throughout this journey, we had done one of three things, either an Airbnb, a hotel, booked through hotels.com, not a 
advertisement for them, which is, was a great tool for us to use. They give great discounts and you get a free night after 10 nights. So either hostelworld.com, hotels.com, or Airbnb. In this instance, we found the cheapest option was through Airbnb. And one of the things we discovered is Airbnb doesn't always give you what feels like a B&B. We had an apartment, or at least it was advertised as apartment, but it felt more like a hostel than an apartment. And this is a problem with Airbnb. Oftentimes, people will buy out a whole floor of apartments and then rent them out as if it were a hostel or a hotel. But they get to register it as a bed and breakfast or an Airbnb, which gives them a little bit more control and a little bit more money sometimes. And it's questionable whether, you know, this should be allowed or not. But it felt much more like a hostel than an Airbnb. So we felt a little bit taken uh, advantage of, but just, just something to be advised of. Sometimes things that say they're apartments are actually, you get a room in a large area that feels more like a hostel. That being said, it was extremely centrally located, extremely affordable, and it wasn't that bad. It was just, we were taken aback initially because we thought we were getting the whole apartment. But I suppose for the price we paid, we should have known that. We did get a lovely balcony we got to hang out on and just see the city from our balcony. Right. We stayed at the Old Town Square. Now, Cologne doesn't have a fantastical old town square, unlike a lot of other cities. The city was kind of obliterated during World War II. The bridge we crossed over for the train was this phenomenal old stone bridge. It's actually been rebuilt. The only thing that is largely the same from pre-World War II is the Cologne Cathedral itself, which we really tried to spare. I mean, it was the Americans that blew up the city. We really tried to spare this cathedral as much as possible. It certainly got damaged, and it's blackened because of all the fires. The city was basically destroyed during World War II. And so Old Town Square isn't all that old, which is one of the reasons I suppose that it's not as much of a tourist destination. It doesn't have that old world feel. So not an Old Town Square, a new Old Town Square. But we were still able to go there and have a half liter of Kolsch. If you're in Cologne, you have to get Kolsch. The word Kolsch actually means someone from Cologne. Uh, Cologne, Kolsch. Kolsch means a person from Cologne. It is a style of beer that is phenomenal. It's actually an ale, which is different because most lagers have, well, top fermenting yeast is an ale and a bottom fermenting yeast is a lager. I don't want to get into too much of the brewery techniques of it, but suffice it to say, for a Kolsch to be an ale and have a light, crisp, and clean taste is actually quite unique. It's a beer style that's gaining in popularity in the United States, especially with craft brewers, but it's a very difficult style to perfect. When you're in Cologne, you get Kolsch. It's delicious. It's actually a wheat beer, which makes it light and refreshing and perfect for the hot weather we encountered while we were in Cologne. Now, one thing to keep in mind, the Cologne people, the Kolsch, kind of set their Kolsch apart from Alt beer, which is the style of Dusseldorf, which is right across the river. Dusseldorf and Cologne kind of have a little bit of a rivalry. They're right near each other. They're decent-sized cities. We didn't go to Dusseldorf, but apparently if you're in Dusseldorf, you get alt beer, and if you're in Cologne, you get Kolsch. So we enjoyed a nice half liter of Kolsch. The first thing we did when we 
woke up from our grand hostel stays, we went to the Cologne Cathedral itself. Now, it happened to be a Sunday, so we were able to attend a service. The good news and bad news about this was we weren't able to explore much of the inner cathedral itself. So we stayed at the back, we saw the service, it was in German, of course, and it was an enjoyable experience, but we didn't get to explore much, much of the inner cathedral. Much of the inner cathedral is a very gothic, it still has that old stone vibe, so it's, it's very beautiful. But what's interesting about it is it lacks the ornamentation of something like the Notre Dame. It doesn't have fabulous stained glass windows or artifacts of old medieval palaces, you know, like, like old kings that are buried there or anything like that. It's really best viewed from the outside. The inside is neat, certainly, but the outside is just so awe-inspiring and grand. Going to the cathedral and looking on the outside is just brilliant. Now, it has recently been restored. It, they finished it relatively recently, and a lot of it has been cleaned. The stones were completely blackened with the fires of World War II. They're still quite black. So what you're seeing today is actually a cleaned and restored version, but it still looks like it just came out of the fire, which just gives it this much more grand and awe-inspiring and imposing aura to it. And it's just a fantastic thing to just stand outside and you can just look at it endlessly. Right, that image of walking out of the train station and seeing this blackened cathedral rising against the blue sky is one of the most indelible images from the trip for me. Now, as we mentioned, there's a lot of Roman history in Köln. So, of course, we went to the Roman History Museum. There is a German name. I am not going to massacre that language by attempting to pronounce it. You can find the Roman History Museum in Cologne pretty easily. Right. Now, this museum covers an amazing amount of the Roman history in, in Köln. The glass artifacts, which you would not expect to survive these, these centuries, are in remarkable condition. They had a Roman glass wine glass that you looked like you could just fill with some Kolsch and enjoy right there. Right. It was uncracked, unclouded. The spiral curlicues and decorative bits were still very much intact. And not just this one glass. There were so many dozens of pieces just like this. And there were paintings and there were mosaics and there were these incredible artifacts. And it was just absolutely breathtaking the longevity of these pieces. It really tried to transport you back to what it was like when Cologne was this Roman colony. And it was just, as a history buff, it, it really uh, was a profound experience. Not a very big ex museum, doesn't take all day to go through, but certainly worthwhile. So because we had a little bit of extra time after this relatively short museum trip, we wanted to go to another museum. Now, as I said, Cologne isn't typically a tourist destination. If you're wanting to go there for museums, there's not a whole lot of options. The Roman History Museum is one of them, but the other one they're known for is the Ludwig Museum, which is a modern art museum. Now, we'd only been to a handful of art museums on this trip, and we were really looking forward to later on going to some maybe Italian or even Greek art museums. So art museums weren't really on our radar, but we thought this sounds interesting. Also not on our radar, modern art. And there's a reason why. The modern art exhibits are not about beauty <laughs> or even making sense. In fact, some of them are explicitly about not making sense. 
there were art exhibits in there that just made absolutely no sense to me who's not an expert on art. I'm sure that someone who's an expert on art would say, you're a fool, you have no idea what you're talking about. But I'm perfectly happy looking at some beautiful image painted on canvas. I don't know what to think about when I see a box full of bees or something like that. And I have no idea. I've been to a modern art exhibit where there was literally a stenciled bit of sand on the floor and I was walking down the steps and I accidentally stepped in it and I go, oh, I, I ruined the art. And no, that was intentionally supposed to be ruined. It's it's sand on the floor. You're supposed to step in. And oh my gosh, what, what kind? I am completely the wrong person to take to a modern art exhibit. Suffice to say, David and I are not the people that you want leading you through a modern art museum. So we go to this modern art museum and there's some anti-Vietnam War memorials, which was interesting because they were all anti-American government, but they were in Cologne. I guess they're somewhat famous. Maybe, you know, they had a couple things from Andy Warhol and that era. Also but Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock. There was another room where I walked in and I saw an old lady. She was just standing there looking at the art. She was in a corner all by herself. And I thought, well, that's weird. Why is she just standing there? And I turned again and I realized it is the most accurate mannequin I have ever seen. It is a piece of art attempting to create a human being as close as can be. And it freaked me out. I literally stepped away from it, pointed and shouted, Uncanny Valley! Uncanny Valley! At this point, the security guard in the room started laughing their butt off. They're like, oh my gosh, like, like it was ter like you ever see something that is too real and it has a visceral reaction to you? I swear, I've never had an uncanny valley experience more than that. It literally terrified me. Now, as David mentioned, we celebrated my birthday in Cologne. So for my birthday, we took a Rhine cruise. Yeah, before we took this trip, I asked Jessica what she wanted for her birthday, and she said, a castle. So I said, okay, well, we'll get you a castle for your birthday. Turns out there are several castles along the Rhine to choose from, and we found a cruise. We booked this. Now, when I say cruise, I'm not talking about a big ship. It was more like a riverboat that goes up and down the river. You could call it maybe almost a bus. It had some meals and drinks, but you could call it a ferry, a bus. I, I wouldn't call it a cruise ship because it wasn't something that you could actually sleep on. It was meant to, to ferry passengers along the Rhine. And so we found out that you could take this two-hour ship ride along the Rhine, and then when you were done seeing the castles along the Rhine, you could come back to Cologne. And the best there and back destination to see castles was a little town called Koenigswinter. Now this river tour, as, as it were, is actually a really affordable day trip. I mean, they had options to have lunch or to have breakfast or just have drinks on board the boat while you're cruising up and down the Rhine. And so if you use this river tour, which I highly recommend, you know, Cologne's great and all, but I you could see a lot of what the city has to offer in a day or two. But being able to be on the Rhine and take these river boats, you could go up or down in either direction. We didn't explore half of what's available. We just went to Koenigsventer. Now on this river boat, we were kind of not wearing the most fancy of garb. And we sat down at a table and a very fancy looking waiter came by and we started off ordering some Kolsch. And he thought, oh, dismissive. 
They also offered some breakfast, but then we were there a little bit later in the day, and then it was time to get lunch. We wanted to have lunch, and it was Jessica's birthday, so we decided to get a nice lunch. So she ordered a baked salmon. I ordered some sort of a thing. You and ordered the, roast chicken. I ordered roast amazing. chicken that looked that was delicious, and another kolsch. And the server completely changed his tune when we started ordering food. So it was just interesting to see a, a server completely dismiss us. And then, oh, they're actually not poor people on this boat. They're going to start paying for things. And so the complete turnaround. So we arrive in Koenigsventer shortly after we finish our nice lunch. And we get to this, you know, kind of touristy little landing area. But the real side of Koenigsventer is up the hill. There are two castles in the area. The first one is called Schloss Drakenberg, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it. Essentially, it's it's the, the, the dragon castle, and it's this very ornate, grand-looking, almost Disney-esque castle with these tall pillars. Now, it was originally constructed in the 1800s, and so it's not really a defensive fortification. It's mostly a palace, as it were, meant to reward local nobles. Uh, when the Nazis took over, they used this as sort of a retreat. And in, and in fact, a lot of high-level Nazis uh, went there. It was later used as an elementary school, but it fell into disuse during the Cold War era. Because it is such a gorgeous building, however, recent restorations have brought it back to its 1800s era original look. And it is gorgeous. One thing to keep in mind, however, is it almost looks bigger from the river. It's this imposing cathedral-looking castle on the edge of this rocky outcropping, and it's halfway up this big, big hill overlooking the river. Absolutely gorgeous. But when you get up close, it's relatively small. Almost like a big house with a big meeting room. Takes very little time to explore, and the interior is somewhat underwhelming. It's it's not terribly grand. It doesn't feel like a palace on the inside, but it is worth seeing up close just because you can see all those grand stone towers and, and pointed roofs. It is just a gorgeous thing. But as I said, it is only halfway up. Now, as David mentioned, this was a very steep hill. So in order to help tourists get to the top, they have a cog train, which takes you up there to this amazing set of ruins, Berg Drachenfels. Now that's actually the name of the hill itself as well as the castle there that originally started as a Roman watchtower. It was later developed into a castle that was used all the way through the Thirty Years' War, fell into disuse, fell into disrepair, fell into ruin. However, it's still beautiful and still amazing. Now, in this long history of this castle, it's said that there was once a dragon there, the dragon Fafnir. And I'm probably mispronouncing that. German is not a language I speak. But this dragon was said to have been killed by the hero Siegfried. And so you can see this animatronic dragon there that represents Fafnir and this history of Siegfried and the dragon. It's a great hearkening back to German's legendary, mythical... It's a fantastical hill. You right. feel like you're in like a Lord of the Rings thing, but it's entirely its own thing. You know, the legend of Siegfried and, oh, here's the castle where he slayed the dragon. Right, and so it's a great tie to their mythical history, for lack of a better word. Now, as I mentioned, at this point, it's mostly ruins, but they do offer a really nice view of the city. Um, few walls, few barred windows. But again, the view is what you want to go for. Now, unfortunately, our view included a lot of storm clouds. 
it, we did not have the friendliest weather while we were in uh, Conan's Venter. So we hurried back up down the hill, we got on the boat, and we headed back to, to Culm. Admittedly, we both made the unwise um, faux pas of falling asleep on public transportation, but it was it was safe. It's not like we were on a subway or a metro or anything. Yeah, you can fall asleep on the ferry and wake up as long as you get up when your destination arrives. So, well-rested, we arrive in Cologne for our last night in Cologne, and it was Jessica's birthday, and so we said, all right, well, let's go to a special place for her birthday. So we go to this nice-looking, very traditional German restaurant right on the Rhine River, right near where our Airbnb was, but we really wanted just some traditional sausages and schnitzel and that sort of thing. So we sit down and I get this sausage and potato platter. Now, I also discovered that because this was a traditional place, they serve Kolsch in the traditional way. Up until this point, I'd either gotten a can of Kolsch or, you know, that, that was how I got it on the, the ferry, or I got a half liter. Now, a half liter is a significant quantity of beer. You order it once, you can drink it, you get one or two and you're happy. A quarter liter is smaller than your typical beer we have in the United States. Your typical beer is 12 ounces. 250 milliliters, or a quarter liter, is a little bit smaller than that. So I like ordering in half liters for that reason. So when I go to this restaurant, I order a half liter. The server tells me, no, 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 we're not going to give you a half liter. And I protested a little. I said, well, hold on, a quarter liter is too small. I'm very thirsty. I'm going to be enjoying my sausages. And, and Kolsch is a very light beer. I should be able to quaff as many as I want. He says, no, 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 no. You got to order in a quarter liter. And I said, well, are you going to be able to keep my glass full? And he says, yes. And this is something I discovered. It was quite a lot of fun. The way that you order a Kolsch beer is to empty your glass. <laughs> because if you are drinking Kolsch, you have these small glasses. It's designed to be served in a smaller glass. Once you finish it and set it down, the server, who's very good at his job, comes by and plants another one on your table. So I'd see this guy with a tray full of these little glass, Kolsch glasses, and he'd just look around for empty glasses. And if he saw an empty one, plop, there's one. You just ordered another Kolsch. So the way you signal that you no longer want any Kolsch is you put your coaster on top of your Kolsch glass. And this guy was very good at his job. He would laughingly come by and refill my glass every time I needed it. And so I'd empty Kolsch after Kolsch, little ones, lost count of how many I'd had. But by the end of the meal, I was quite full, quite happy, and I placed my little coaster on top of my little glass. Wonderful experience, definitely worthwhile. A lot of German restaurants, very traditional restaurants, are up and down the Rhine. You can pick one that looks nice to you, and you'll have this wonderful experience. So I think this makes it pretty obvious what my favorite drink was. My favorite drink was the Kolsch I had at that restaurant that was constantly being refilled at the quarter liter glass amount. And I can't disagree with you. At this point in time, I was not a big fan of Pilsners, but that Kolsch, which again is an ale, not a Pilsner, was such an amazing beer. I still can't get enough of it. Right. And they're good about making sure that you get plenty of it. Absolutely. Whether it's in half liters or the traditional way at quarter liters. Now, my favorite food was also at this restaurant. Extremely traditional, nice sausages and potatoes. And so I really got the best of Cologne at this very traditional German restaurant. 
Now, I would respectfully disagree. I did love the sausage and potatoes. They were amazing. But our first day there, we found a cafe that served schnitzel. And I thought the schnitzel was the best meal we had in Cole. The schnitzel has a nice creamy sauce with some, uh, some mushrooms on it. Delectable, yes, but I still go with the experience and ambience of that German restaurant on the Rhine. Crispy fried pork and crispy fried potatoes. How can you go wrong? Yeah, they're both great. And if you're there multiple nights, you can take you can do both. So what was your favorite thing then? Oh, the Rhine tour. The Rhine is so central to Köln's history. And being able to cruise up and down it and see these little German villages and the beautiful, beautiful German countryside absolutely the best part for me. I can't disagree, but I'm going to get very specific. The Berg Drachenfels was my absolute favorite thing. Being up there on the top of that mountainous train and being able to see all around, you can see Cologne in the distance. You can see Bonn in the distance. You can see just the endless rolling hills of Germany. And then the huge Rhine River rolling throughout with these big hills. And then of course, knowing that it is a castle with that legendarily had a dragon in it, the ruins itself are extremely little. There's not much to see, and yet it feels magical. Even more magical than the actually restored and rebuilt and in good shape castle halfway down the hill, the Schloss Drachenberg. The ruins are my favorite thing about that we experienced when we were in Cologne. I don't think I can top your description of the Kohl's, so I'm going to hand the drink off to you this week with the description you already gave us. Right, so just basically go back to my explanation of how you serve it at a German restaurant. If you're going to do this at a restaurant, you're going to have to be very careful and choosy. If you do this at home, maybe get a handful of Kolsch bottles and have them at the ready, or get a larger Kolsch container. Serve it in a quarter liter glass. Now, this is going to be hard to find, but make sure you get a small glass or a quarter liter in size. But basically, if you really want to have the German experience, have some nice German sausages or some schnitzel, and have some friends over and have your glasses out, finish the glass and then refill it and just tell them, hey, whenever you want me to stop pouring, put a coaster on your glass. And that's how you properly drink a German Kolsch. So this has been Passports and Birth Control. Don't forget your passport. Don't forget your birth control. Like Passports and Birth Control? Give us a review and follow us on Instagram. Tell us in the comments where you'd like us to go next and support us on Patreon. Your support will send us more places and help us create more episodes.